0: welcome to american focus i'm cole mcneely general manager of america's talking network this week instead of doing the music and the 10 second clip at the beginning i wanted to take a 10 second moment of silence in remembrance of the 21 victims of the tragic shooting in texas thank you now here's your host Dan McCaleb.
1: Thank you, Cole, and welcome to the America in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, Executive Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. America in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. Joining me today is Casey Harper, Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Center Square. Casey, we are recording this on Friday, May 27th, It's been a sobering week, Casey, with a tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, where an 18 year old entered the local elementary school and shot and killed 19 children and two adults. So much has already been said and written about this tragic mass shooting. And we are learning, pretty much learning new details regularly about the timeline of the events, about how law enforcement handled the situation in the moment, what can be done to prevent these times of massacres from happening again. Casey, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, as you said, it's really tragic. These have uh, become a little too familiar. Uh, when you hear about these, you know, I remember when I first saw the, the initial news come in, it's like, oh man, you know, you kind of braced yourself because uh, of, you know, things we have in our history and just where we know this can go. And the more details that come out, just the more sad, more tragic it is. And now we're, we're kind of seeing the personal stories and of kids giving their experiences of, you know, parents um, sharing what happened that day. And, you know, there's a lot of just the more details you get, the, the sadder it is. And so um, our hearts go out to them. Our prayers are, you know, for them right now. And uh, nobody, <laughs> it's, it's really unimaginable what we're going through. So they're definitely in our thoughts. We're going to, you know, this story is not going to go away, you know, overnight. There's going to be more coverage. And yeah, I mean, there are things we can talk about, about police response and things like that. And, you know, the, some of the politics behind it later on, but first and foremost, they're in our prayers and my um, hearts go out to them.
1: Why don't we just spend just a, a minute. i um, just talking about some of the, the, the victims here <clears throat> got to re- receive the story um, from our Texas correspondent, Bethany Blankley uh, yesterday, just naming, telling, telling us a little bit about who some of these victims are. You know i i love my job as a journalist when we're holding government officials accountable talking about how they're spending our tax dollars things like this but this is the worst time to be a journalist when 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 you're learning about details like like something as tragic as this Hmm. um just just reading from her story briefly because we have some other things to talk about eva morales i remember is a loving mother and wife um her, her daughter uh, said, I have never imagined this would happen, especially to loved ones. All we can do is pray hard for our country, state, schools, and especially the families of all. Another teacher, the, the second teacher who shot uh, Irma Garcia was mother of four. She was described as her, by her nephew as sweet, kind, loving, fun with the greatest personality. She sacrificed herself protecting the kids in her classroom. She was a hero. She was loved by many and will be truly missed. Um, tragically, Irma's husband died two days later of a heart attack. <clears throat> Likely heartbroken. Of course, there's <clears throat> um, 19 other ch- children who are victims in this, and I don't have the heart to to go through any more of that. So, what's uh, obviously when these kinds of situations happen, um, talk turns to what to gun violence and whether anything should be done about our gun laws. Casey, what's going? What are you hearing? That, what's taking place in Congress?
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. There's this kind of predictable cycle of um, outrage and calls for action. Um, you see a lot of anger, um, especially from those on the left to, you know, about against the second amendment against um, supporters of gun rights. And, you know, what? and I was monitoring this pretty closely um, just from the, the perspective of, you know, second amendment rights. And, you know, I saw for the most part, First day or two, you know, Republicans and Second Amendment supporters were mostly quiet, and I think they're just being respectful, uh, you know, giving some space to the issue. Um, but as the days went on, you, you saw this debate start to more unfold in Congress, you know, online, and the fl- flurry of opinion pieces come out. Twitter explodes, you know, and so this kind of predictable cycle of you know pain, outrage, uh, moral moralism, calling you know calling for Changes, you know, the the video went viral of uh, Beto Overwork really, you know, showing up, and maybe you might want to talk about that more in a minute, Dan, but Beto Overwork showing up at that press conference. But what we're seeing is that the familiar battle lines um, in Congress of whether there should be more background checks. I'll say, even with all the the tragedy and the you know the pain around this right now, my I don't see much changing in the near term on this issue. That's just my kind of prediction and forecast based on what I've seen. Uh, If anything would change, it'd be more background checks. I think that is kind of the agreed upon next step. Uh, It's definitely nothing close to what some of the more on the left want, which would be sweeping new rules and regulations. The hard thing is it's uh, often, you know, when these shootings happen, there's a call for certain kinds of new laws, but those laws wouldn't have prevented that said shooting right and it doesn't mean they're bad ideas or good ideas but uh that's kind of one of the first things that is pointed out is um this law wouldn't have prevented the shooting and even then does the kind of person who's willing to shoot up a school really care if it's illegal to purchase the weapon right you know i mean that's the other that's the second argument so uh these things are playing out i think the the the, the final thing to keep an eye on as far as congress is there's been a lot of pressure in particular on Senator Joe Manchin to, uh, eliminate the filibuster to pass through some kind of gun, um, legislation. And so that's something to, to keep an eye on, you know, there, what, what we're seeing politically is Democrats trying to u- use this issue to mobilize effort and maybe even, um, you know, circumvent the filibuster to get something done. But, uh, right now I don't think any sweeping changes are, are on the horizon.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned um, Beto O'Rourke. <clears throat> I forgot about that. that. That was only, we were recording this, of course, on Friday. That was only on Wednesday, but so much has happened since Wednesday that I forgot about that incident. <clears throat> I was watching the, the, the shooting, of course, happened on Tuesday. On Wednesday, Governor Greg Abbott and law enforcement officials uh, were holding a news conference to provide updates. I was watching it uh, uh, live on the uh, Internet, as was our <clears throat> excuse me our Texas correspondent. And um, while I was watching it, I saw a a man get up and and go up and start yelling at at, uh, Governor Abbott, um, making a causing a scene in the middle of it. I did not immediately know it was uh, Beto O'Rourke who is uh, running a Democrat, (laughs) excuse me, running uh, against uh, Governor Abbott for governor in this year's uh, election. Um, I didn't I I didn't immediately know it was uh, Beto O'Rourke. And I was like, what a clown. What is this guy doing? Get him out of there. And right. then uh, my tech our Texas correspondent Bethany she texts me did you see what uh, Beto O'Rourke just did and I was like that was Beto O'Rourke are you kidding me he's got the mm, nerve mm. Uh, to to make a political statement in the middle of this tragic news conference where families of the victims are attending <clears throat> I try to keep my opinion out of this but I was outraged at that
0: mm. yeah uh,
1: <clears throat> anyway um, so, I mean, what, what are the next steps, Casey? I, I know there, there'll be discussions, there'll be debates. It's probably, I, I like you don't see, see anything meaningful uh, coming out of it. Um, any insight under that?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few, I believe we were one of the first, if not the first to have that Beto story up at the sinnersquare.com which is a great job by Bethany and, and you for being on top of that. But um, the, uh, you know, this can go a few ways. One, you know, nothing could happen which i think there's a real chance of, of nothing happening um you know this there'll be political use of this there'll be campaign ads about this but as far as like actual tangible policy change at the federal level i think there's a good chance nothing really happens um just a lot of debate things uh there, there's a very small chance that there could be kind of sweeping uh changes but i don't i don't think that's likely as you said and then you know this is kind of the most dc political response ever but th- there's also a chance that there could be some kind of gun control measure that allows democrats to have some kind of moral victory but doesn't actually really do much um and we've seen this in the past i think a good example is when bump stocks were banned <laughs> you know i mean uh you know it's kind of a it's just You know, it does give kind of a sense of a victory that something was banned and it did upset, um, you know, a lot of gun owners and gun rights people. But overall, like banning bump stocks doesn't make a, you know, isn't going to prevent any kind of shooting. Uh, It's just, you know, an addition to a a firearm you can add on. And so I think that, you know, there could be a chance there's some kind of uh, symbolic legislation that does it. I think that's probably the the only hope that uh, Democrats have. There's bills, you know, Marco Rubio has a bill that um, creates, you know, more system, systematic uh, guidance and federal help on, on all these local schools on how to be safe on things they can do. Um, one thing that's really been pointed out in this sh- since the shooting is that the the debate always goes towards mental health or towards um, gun control. But most of the mental health things have been ignored um, at the federal level. There's a lot that can be done on mental health. It does seem like You know, most, if not all of these shooters have some kind of mental health issues, like at a pretty significant, disturbing level. And so much of the mental health legislation has just stalled. And so I don't know if we're going to see it kind of a pivot uh, away from the gun control. I think, you know, Republicans always point towards the mental health. And I think a lot of Democrats say that that is just them dodging the gun rights issue. And maybe it is. Uh, But at the same time, I do think there, you know, a lot of mental health advocates are saying there is real work that can be done. Um, And and guidance and funding that can be done for mental health policies in place for recognizing people who have mental health issues, what to do, making it more um, like across the board, the same policies versus it just being different based on every school. So, you know, I don't I don't know if something like that will happen. I honestly don't think so. But that would be uh, one of the you know, one of the options that Congress could do if, if they do do something
1: well i guess final just one final thought on this our hearts and prayers do go out to the the victims and their families and their friends and um you know we'll continue uh, reporting on the situation at the center square.com mm-hmm. let's move on though casey um the congressional budget office this week released uh an, its economic outlook for the next decade and the uh, news wasn't all that great
0: no no <laughs> yeah uh, not a great week of news um but this is a different in a different form. So, the Congressional Budget Office, for those who don't know, they do release these economic outlooks uh, where they project, you know, the economy, the budget, what that's going to look like, even the GDP and inflation. They're most famous for scoring bills. So, when you know uh, lawmakers put together these giant, you know, mammoth bills, they're the ones who have to go th- comb through it and say, "This is how much this is going to cost." And it's an it's, you know purported to be a nonpartisan estimate. That's like, this is the actual cost of the bill, not just what the writer says it costs. And so that's what the CBO is. That's what the CBO does. And they released their economic projection for basically the next decade. And there are several really interesting things in it. They said inflation is likely to continue through the rest of this year, that it, it's hopefully going to get better in 2023. Um, that sounds like good news. So I will say that you know the treasury has been, I don't. we've heard that story before from the federal government. So I'm a little wary of it. The treasury said that inflation was transitory and would be gone by now. And here we are, you know, so, uh, a little uncertain about on that, but the, uh, CBO also projected essentially that, uh, the federal debt level is going to continue to soar. Um, it really, I think dangerous rates, and it's going to be, uh, I think 110% of GDP. GDP is like the way of measuring the size of the American economy. And so the, what they call the debt to GDP ratio, it's like how much debt we have versus how big our economy actually is, um, is gonna be at record levels, record high levels in the, in the worst sense. So the, the debt is gonna outpace the size of our economy at the highest level ever. Um, and so this is, you know, troubling. I think it raises a lot of question about federal spending. We've had a lot of, um, spending around COVID that was going kind to of justify because it was a pandemic, but that has made inflation worse and it's raised the, the debt even more. The debt passed $30 trillion um, this year. So um, it's really the elephant in the room in American politics right now. And it, I think it has been for several years. Uh, and it's like no one wants to be the politician who comes along and says, hey, we need to cut every government program. Um, regardless of if you support it or not, both Repub- um, pet projects of Republicans and Democrats, because it's probably going to take something like that to really get spending under your control.
1: Yeah, you, you mentioned reference the debt surpassing thirty trillion dollars, mm-hmm. tr- trillion with a T. Right. Um, it's actually, I'm looking at the U.S. national debt clock right now. It's actually almost at thirty and a half trillion dollars mm-hmm. and growing. Um, uh, I'm no debt expert, but it's looking like it could be uh, get to thirty one trillion dollars before the year is up. You just got to wonder how we can t- can continue spending at the spate at the pace that we're spending.
0: Right, and yeah, you know, I think uh, especially maybe a younger listener might think that this is normal because it feels like we've always had this debt, but that's not the case at all. Um, in the two thousands, the debt was like five trillion, and so it's already right. up since then to thirty trillion. Uh, you know, the the U.S. had a balanced budget at one point. And so um, the the country has not held this kind of debt for its whole history. This is really a new phenomenon in the last uh, two decades. It was really accelerated by the, the Iraq war. Um, but then that just opened the floodgates and both Republican and Democratic presidents have, whether it was, you know, um, Obama's stimulus or, or whatever it was, every, every administration has just increased the spending. And here we are. So- yeah, I don't. <laughs> you're right. I mean, yeah, you don't right. have to be a dead expert to know that 30 trillion and, and counting, uh, you know, it, it hit 30 trillion in February. And, you see, you know, it's at 30 and a half now um, and it's May. So that tells you that that's a good way just to give you the pace at which this is growing. Um, and it's not good.
1: Let's talk a little bit about inflation, Casey. Um mm-hmm. Uh, Memorial day weekend, uh, approaching. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, about the, that Memorial day weekend at the, at the end. Um, with, uh, that center, uh, marks the beginning of summer, summer travel season, etc. But because mm-hmm. of inflation, we're, we're hearing that many, uh, many American families are changing their plans. What can you tell us about this?
0: Yeah, of course, you know, that federal debt has the kind of scary co- economy collapsing, you know, fear (laughs) around it, but we're already feeling real world um, impacts now um, because that federal debt spending, you know, the way a big way that that is paid for is you print more money. And uh, we've had an incredible amount of U S dollars added to the money supply since Biden took office. And we're seeing a lot of that effects now. And so the price of everything is going up. Energy is the leading thing that's gone up the most food is almost 10% more expensive in the last 12 months. Um, but really any, almost anything across the board. I mean, if you're trying to buy a used car right now, you, you know what that's like, although there are some shortage things aggravating that. But this poll from um, Echelon, Echelon Insights found that 75% of parents say they're concerned about the rising costs of everyday purchases like food or gas. So, you know, most parents um, are, are concerned about this. And so the survey asked them, you know, with summer around the corner, Memorial Day, like you said, has recent inflation you know, increases in the price of gas, groceries, etc., cause you to change any of your plans for what your children will do this summer. And 57% of parents said yes. And this is this summer, American families, you know, well over half of them saying they've had to change what their kids are going to do. So, you know, over half of them said that they've changed or canceled plans for a family trip. So summer vacation is quite literally canceled, or maybe instead of, you know, taking a, a trip overseas or something, you're just going to drive to the the nearest beach you know you're going to do that with my (laughs) there's a big difference i think we all know the difference between the big vacation and the budget vacation growing up Uh, i had both as a kid and there's definitely years where we just drove to the the nearest beach and packed sandwiches you know it's fine but it's great but this is uh this inflation issue is not ethereal it's not just some ideological debate it's not what will happen if the debt surpasses gdp at too high a level it is hey this summer your kids don't get the vacation um, another 26% uh, said they won't be able to stay home with their kids because they need to work more. Um, also, you know, a lot of parents were saying that they're have not able to send their kids to summer camp. So this is having real world impact. You know, many of our listeners even probably are having to make these tough decisions, um, choosing between summer camps and vacations, especially if you have multiple kids, you know, if you have three kids, you can maybe only afford one, one to go to summer camp. How do you make those decisions? Those are the real kitchen table problems that Americans are struggling with right now because the prices of goods and services are rising so fast.
1: Let's talk particularly about the prices of gasoline. Mm -hmm. Casey, you wrote earlier this week that gas prices hit a new record high every single day for two uh, consecutive weeks looking at right. um AAA's gas prices the the cost of a, a a regular gallon of gasoline right now stands at $4.60 a gallon which has held steady for the past few days as a record um high um you, you can understand why families are going to be changing their plans when it costs that much just to take take your you know your spouse and your kids anywhere
0: yeah and this is a uh- this is one of the leading things that is, you know, make forcing Americans to make these decisions. If you are going to drive on your vacation, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the price of that trip could almost double. And, um, by the way, I hope your car doesn't break down and you need to buy a new one because getting a used vehicle right now, it, I mean, they're just so much more expensive if you've even been looking, but, uh, yeah, like, like you said, th- the gas prices hit a new record high every day for almost two weeks which ended, you know, kind of, it's kind of peaked out right now at $4 and 60 cents. And so, um, you know, we don't know if that's gonna go higher or lower, but you know, I do think it's actually gonna go higher from all the experts I've talked to this summer. It's not gonna be great for energy costs, but this is, I just wanna stress how unusual this is. Um, Usually with these record gas prices, what we see is the the gas price is just like, they peak one day, they have a, a big high, and then they drop back down immediately, or they kind of stay there for a little while and drop, you know, drop down. Um, so record gas prices are usually kind of an anomaly that happens one day and then doesn't happen for a while. Um, so to see record high gas prices every day for two weeks, like this is very unusual. Um, it shows, this is not just an anomaly. This is kind of a new normal, even President Joe Biden called this just, you know, basically a transition that Americans are going to have to get used to, which caused its own controversy. But, um, I think that, you know, there could, politicians on both sides can say this is going to go away. This is temporary. This is Putin's fault, whatever, whatever they want to say. But the way it hit ev- um, every day for two weeks like this just shows you that this is a trend. This is not an anomaly. I do think that this is going to be here to stay for a while. Uh, you know, we're going to see these elevated prices through the summer and maybe beyond. Um, so uh, this trend is sadly here to stay. Um, air conditioning, just regular electricity costs. I've written in a different, you know, different story about... How the, that's also expected um, to rise, and then even the chances of blackouts this summer are higher because of you know there's several factors, but um, drought and different things. So the energy, uh, the the energy landscape right now is not pretty, and Americans, as this poll shows, are already you know taking that into account and, and grappling with the consequences of that.
1: And and d- d- folks inside the uh, the energy industry blame at least in part. President Biden's policies um, for Mm -hmm. the high energy costs and the potential for black blackouts or brownouts Um, this summer. um, Of course, when Biden first took office, he he banned new leases uh, on federal lands for for uh, oil drilling. Um, He canceled the Keystone pipeline. Um, He put new taxes uh, and other regulations on the oil um, and gas industry um you, you, you biden and, and and many others many democrats but it, it crosses both aisles see so a need for new clean cleaner energy <clears throat> and um you know i agree we, we need to keep developing uh, uh uh cleaner energy initiatives but we're not there yet and it's not keeping pace with what oil and gas can do in terms of powering our homes and powering our mm-hmm. cars and everything else um so <clears throat> um you it's pretty clear that, that 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 Biden's policies are at least in part driving um, these record high gas prices.
0: Yeah, and I think he's he hasn't explicitly admitted this, but just in the tone and the way he said different things, he uh, in in the fact that he hasn't backed down on some of his policies, like with pipeline development and oil and gas leasing, shows that he basically this is kind of a, a new normal in his mind and in the, in the kind of ideological left's mind that we've got to cut back on consumption. We've got to cut back on drilling um, to make this hard right turn transition into, or you could say left turning, but uh, transition into renewables. But um, it's a pretty abrupt turn. And so I, I don't know. I mean, you were feeling the effects of it. I think, like you said, Americans love the idea of renewable energy, Um, And they are concerned about climate change um, and and environmental issues when you look at polling. Uh, But the most recent polling shows now that because of these gas prices, Americans are much more concerned about inflation than climate change and other issues. So um, I think they're willing to maybe pay a little bit or make the transition. But whatever uh, paying threshold they have, I think we've hit it uh, or surpassed it. So, yeah, this is there's a lot of political um, weight on buying to head into the midterms. If gas prices are still like this, I mean, it's local politics 101 that when, you know, grocery store and gas stations are not good places to be. The incumbents are in trouble.
1: Well, thank you, Casey. But that is all the time we have uh, this week. But I uh, want to end on a note. Just reminder that it is Memorial Day weekend. Well, yes, it signifies the beginning of summer. It, it's also a weekend when we're, we should all spend some time remembering those who gave their lives in defense of our country, um, whether it's going to a parade or visiting a cemetery or just taking a few moments to think about the sacrifices that the, these brave men and women uh, in our military, the sacrifices they made. Yeah, so we can gather around our grills this weekend, enjoy time with our family. you know even something as simple as recording this uh, podcast. Anyway, enjoy the Memorial Day weekend. Um, For Casey Harper, I'm Dan McCaleb. We'll talk to you next week.